Welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible and stuff. I'm Glenn. And I'm Tanner. And we are in our first episode of the new year, 2022. And it's great. I'm very excited about it. I think this is going to be a good year for us. Um, I think this is going to be a good year for you because you're listening to us. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I know I'm really excited about it. As we kind of talked about in our last episode of 2021, we got a lot of things coming up that we're that we're working on that we're really excited about and uh, want to show you. But yeah. since it's the beginning of the year, Glenn, I want to talk to you about New Year's resolutions. Oh boy. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I told you that I want to talk to you about that, but I don't, uh, but we haven't yet. So the first thing I want to, I'm curious about is, are you a New Year's resolutions guy? Like, is that something you do on a regular Mm. basis? Yeah. I mean, I, I'll say that I used to be, Okay, I was always like trying to come up with a plan for the new year, wanted to make sure that I was achieving certain things, usually in areas that I was sucking, uh, was, <laughs> was always where the goal came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I started doing New Year's resolutions, I had this build where it was like, okay, really lofty, high goals that I'm going to reach. And then slowly I was yeah. like, oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't make them as high as they are. But regardless mm-hmm. as to how much emphasis I put on the goal, it seemed like I was constantly failing within like the first month of the new year. And so I finally started to realize that I think that I was putting way too much pressure on achieving my new year's resolutions. And so these, mm-hmm. these past couple of years, I haven't really set like very specific goals and maybe that's not great. I, I don't know, but yeah, I think I, I set more like general tones for the new year. Okay, so this, I think this is, is where exactly, I'm going, yeah. yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to get into because I have this, I have this working theory that the thing that keeps us from keeping New Year's resolutions is the fact that we want to keep the New Year's resolution. Yeah. So, like, I know that makes no sense on, on one hand, but it, it's exactly. I, I feel that same thing that you're talking about. It's this immense pressure that we put on ourselves. Often it's that we want to change a whole lot really quickly. Right. And so we put all this pressure on it. And then as soon as we fail, then it's like, whatever, throw in the towel. Frick, why, why even try? <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe you try to push through a week, but I guarantee it, like the first time you miss a day on the diet plan or the Bible reading plan, that is the beginning of the end for most people. Yeah. And, and I relate it to like early on in being a Christian. I mean, I, this is still something I struggle with, but I didn't have a good idea of sanctification. I think maybe we've talked about this on the show a long time ago, but as a young, eager Christian, your idea is like, okay, I'm never going to do that again. Like you really like to speak in absolutes and like, like I'm putting this behind me and it'll be completely in the past and I'll never be something I struggle with anymore. And that's just not how it works ever. Right. And I, I didn't understand sanctification as more of this thing that is a, <laughs> a slow progress, a slow training, a slow like building up of, of a muscle. And so I think that requires that we have a lot greater comfort with failure. Right. Like Mm. I I like to, I'm not even the most like athlete sports kind of guy, but these metaphors just work so well. Like when you think about, uh, I'm into basketball. So you think about like a basketball player going into the gym and shooting shots, he's going to miss a lot and he's going to miss a lot more as he's practicing to try to miss less. And so yeah. we, we get in this mindset of like, I can never miss. And that's just too high of a bar for anybody. And you have to make a little bit of friendship with failure as you are trying yeah. to get better and better. So New Year's resolutions kind of work against that a lot of times. Yeah, that's I, I think that's kind of where I was going with it is like I you feel like overwhelmed and guilty when you can't accomplish the thing that you've set out to do. Mm-hmm. And so there is, I think there is with New Year's resolutions, a balance of like being okay, knowing that you're probably going to mess up, uh, you're going <laughs> to fail at times, but then also like stick with it. Yeah. Don't give up. Like 
it's creating that routine um, yeah. that's going to help you, like you were saying, strengthen your muscles and get get that muscle memory working. Yeah, you have to get rid of the guilt if you want to continue. Like you have to rule that out and just say, okay, I missed four days. I just, I'm going to pick it back up. Uh, and that's yeah. really hard to do when you're living in the fact of like, well, I just won't, I won't, I can't do it. I won't, you know what I mean? We get right. so down on ourselves. So I bring all that up because today we're talking about what we kind of set up in the, our last episode of last year is that we want to dive into a series on the spiritual disciplines. And we actually want that topic to be something that we focus a lot more on, even as we're talking about other things. Yeah, and so today's episode is is kind of a way to prepare us for that. It, rather than jumping right into, here are the spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. let's go. Let's set the tone for, okay, why why do we want to get into this and and how should we get into this? Because a lot like that New Year's resolution thought, like you don't want to just jump in full force, fail, and then give up. Like We want to get prepared and set to do this right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, today's episode has a lot to do with grace mm-hmm. uh, and, and some of those concepts that we already started talking about uh, as we were, as we were kind of bantering <laughs> at yeah, the yeah. beginning of this. Yeah. But yeah, let's 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 get into this and and kind of. I know we've taken a lot from a book that you recently read. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to let you kind of set up uh, what what the episode's going to look like today. Sure. Well, like you said, knowing that we wanted to talk more and more about spiritual disciplines and also that that's a place that you and I personally want to challenge ourselves more. I picked up a couple of books and one that I found extremely helpful uh, that I'll just be honest, you're going to hear me probably quote a few times today. And even then, if there's something good I say that's not an explicit quote, I probably also got that from this book. Uh, So (laughs) it's worth it's worth picking up for sure. It's called Habits of Grace by David Mathis. The subtitle is Enjoying Jesus Through the Spiritual Disciplines. And as you said, Glenn, like we are going to later in the series get to, okay, what are these actual disciplines? And we'll touch on that today. And how do you do them? And what does it look like? And all that. But in reading this book and in thinking through how we wanted to break out the series, I just felt this overwhelming pressure of like, we've got to lay a good foundation or it's really easy to go awry uh, as we start talking about doing things. Because as we know, and as I think most people know, Christianity is not a works-based religion. Um, So unless we understand how our works and our effort function as a a piece of the bigger whole that is Christianity, of the bigger grace-based religion that Christianity is, uh, it's really easy to go sideways, and that's something we wanted to make sure we do our best to avoid. So I just want to say, too, this this episode is setting the tone for our series on spiritual disciplines yeah. uh, in general, but it's also really setting the tone for 2022. We We want to make sure that, like we've said before, we're we're not only gaining this head knowledge, but this heart knowledge as well. Um, we want to make sure that we are being Christians who our actions reflect <laughs> what we're learning about yeah. and and why we're learning it. So that that, that is also going to push through the rest of the year with this. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's jump in. I got a I got a lot of notes, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're going to try to keep this uh, at at a regular length. So when we're talking about the means of grace. There's really only two words that that carry weight in that sentence, which is means and grace. And I think we need to start with grace uh, because Mm. that's what we're trying to get out of this whole thing. And so the first thing to say about grace, to kind of explain what I just touched on, is grace is not earned. It's not something we can work for and get. Uh, this is a this is the first time you'll hear me quote David Mathis in the book. He says, "The grace of God is gloriously beyond our skill and technique. The means of grace are not about earning God's favor, twisting His arm, or controlling His blessing, but readying ourselves for consistent saturation in the role of His tides." So that's a that's a bit wordy. And this guy is very poetic, and I and I like that about him, but. We are not very poetic. <laughs> so I think that'll make more sense as we go on. But I wanted to make sure we started with 
It doesn't matter how well you do any of these things. You are not going to earn or deserve more grace from Christ. So if we think back even to our our salvation, that wasn't a result of earning God's grace. And so it's the same thing as we're looking to to live more into God's grace continually. It's important to understand that that's not based on our effort or our hard work either. And even if it was, it's not possible. So (laughs) (laughs) keep that in mind. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that there there isn't effort involved, which I think we'll hit upon later too. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I that's a great start to this. The idea that grace is not earned and that God gives this to us in a sense of, um, we don't deserve it, but he, he lavishly puts it upon us. Yes, yeah, he he wants to, and, and we'll get yeah. there. Um, first, I wanted to pull a couple of quick scripture references that I think illustrate what we're saying here. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of work, so no one may boast. Romans eleven six says, But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. So if it is grace, it's no longer on the basis of works, or it wouldn't be grace. Yeah. And then Galatians two twenty one, Paul says there, For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And we know that's not true. <laughs> so we know right. righteousness isn't through the law. So now to jump in to, to what you're saying is we're talking about grace. We have to understand then that God is the source of all grace. It's not something we can drum up ourselves. It comes from a provider, and we have to look to him to get it. Yeah, so uh, this kind of reminds me, of of our pastor, I, he always used to say this, God wants to give his kids good gifts. Yeah. And I think so often we think the opposite of that, like, yes, God is almighty and powerful, and there is there is fear that we have in that. And I think a lot of times we misinterpret that to mean, like, we, we think I don't deserve this, which is true. <laughs> but we also think in that that God will not give that to us. Um, and, and we have this like this nature in ourselves to want to work <laughs> to get these things approved by God so that he will he will give us his grace. But but that's not how it works. Yeah, I spent a long time. Part of it may have been some I, I was I had a really good home life, but it may have been some kind of how I was raised. And I kind of started to think this or some of it may have even been kind of like cage stage Calvinism theology that that got to me. Um, But for a long time, I thought that if I wanted something, it must be bad. And what Mm. what you're saying was very helpful to me. It's like, God, no, no, no. He wants to give us good gifts and becoming a dad and like, then knowing my heart towards my kids of like, I want, I want to give them things that they enjoy and I want to see their wildest dreams come true. Then really helped me understand how God views us. David Mathis has another quote in here that I thought was really helpful. Uh, and it says, God is shamelessly pouring out his lavish favor on undeserving sinners of all stripes and thoroughly stripping away our self-sufficiency. So I just love that he says shamelessly pouring it out, because it's just like, like he does not care. Like, this is what he wants to do. Uh, yeah. This is what he enjoys. Dane Ortland put out a book, uh, I believe it came out last year. It was like widely touted as the best book of the year, maybe a book of the decade. And it was really good. It's called Gentle and Lowly. And it's called that because in the book, Dane describe or talks about how Jesus describes his heart as gentle and lowly. It's the one place in the in the New Testament where he explicitly says, this is what my heart is, and my heart is gentle and lowly. And heart there kind of meaning like the center of who he is, not just, you know, his physical heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I'm paraphrasing here, but but one place he's he describes gentle and lowly. He's tender, he's open welcoming, accommodating, understanding, willing, and he wants to love sinners. I think so often we get caught up thinking he he does it begrudgingly, like, oh, I have to love these sinners, and that he doesn't really want to, and if we mess up, he might decide to stop. But that is his heart. He's gentle and lowly towards sinners. He wants to take our heavy burdens and give us light ones. And so Dane has one more quote in the book that 
that says, uh, you don't need to collect yourself and then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. And I wanted to say that because I think it touches on what, what we've said earlier, which is even if it was based on effort, like that doesn't work because it, yeah. it in fact is our sin. It is the fact that we can't collect ourselves that makes Jesus want to come to us, want to pour out his love on us. And, you know, in the opposite sense, I think in those moments of brokenness, that's when we most desire Christ too. Uh, Because when we start getting into those rhythms of like, I'm doing this work, uh, it becomes more about us. Mm -hmm. We think that we are bettering ourselves and in the long run, that is furthering us from Jesus. Mm. Uh, it's in those moments where we recognize our brokenness. Yeah. We want to run to Jesus. And likewise, Jesus is is seeking us. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I love that. Okay, well, so now that we've talked about grace, we've talked about the source of grace, and we've made a big point about how effort isn't, or, or works rather, aren't the way. So now the the kind of next logical question is, well, how does the means of grace work then? If it's not about mm. what we do, why does then doing something <laughs> work? <laughs> right. Uh, and so I, I want to kind of dial back to one quote that we said uh, in the last episode of last year as we were kind of setting up, you know, this year and, and want to talk about spiritual disciplines. I won't say all of it as I did then, but again, Mathis explains this by talking about flipping on a switch or turning on a faucet. We don't provide the electricity or the water, but we do ex- like extend some, expend some effort in turning the faucet or flipping the switch. He says here, we can't make the favor of God flow, but he has given us circuits to connect expectantly. There are paths along which he has promised his favor and we can routinely avail ourselves to these revealed paths of blessing or neglect them to our detriment. Again, mm. maybe some some bigger words. Sometimes I have to slow down and, and read those things to really get them the second time. But to me, like the best illustration I could come up with is <laughs> it's like we're hungry. We're a hungry homeless person and there's someone giving out free meals and we're just not going to where they're giving them out. <laughs> And and so like God has these ways through which he has designed, he is, he has designed the world to work and we can approach him through these certain means of grace. And we can either choose to do those or we don't. Now, God can certainly pour his grace on us, even if we don't choose to do them. And he does all the time. I mean, there's so many graces of God in our life, but he also has these things that says, not not dissimilarly from the way we talked about the Ten Commandments, like if you just do these, your life will be better. And so, yeah, but I, I think back to that that homeless person uh, illustration, that the homeless person hasn't done anything to earn the meal. Someone's giving it out for free. Mm-hmm. And, they, and it's also not that they don't know where it will be. And it's not that we don't know what the means of grace are. The Bible, they're all over the Bible, Um and reading the Bible is one of them. <laughs> uh, it's just that we have to go there. We need to get there yeah. to where the person's giving out food. We need to get to the places um, through which Jesus has said that he will show us his, he will show us grace, he'll show us favor. In Donald Whitney's book on spiritual disciplines, he uses the biblical examples of Zacchaeus and the blind man uh, Bartimaeus. And, you know, Zacchaeus climbs this tree in order to see Jesus because he's a, a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Uh, and, and Bartimaeus also is along the path through which Jesus is, is walking by. And I think those are great examples of, they couldn't earn Jesus's grace or, or Jesus's healing, but they could position themselves on the route in the way of Christ where they knew he would be going, um, and, and receive his grace as he, and he chooses rather to, to show them grace as he passes by. So good. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're going through this, and now in my mind, I'm at this place like, okay, that all sounds great. I'm, it's awesome to know that we have these channels, but what are they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So the way we have decided to talk about them 
and, and Mathis largely does this too, is as principles rather than practices. So some books, some scholars choose to talk about the means of grace as 10 or 12 different things that you can do. And I think those are helpful to, to some degree, but I wanted to rather talk about a few overarching principles that then are worked out in a million different ways, depending on who you are and where you're at and what season of life yeah. you're in. And so those three key principles are that we, wanna, we want to uh, experience God's word, we want to uh, experience prayer with God, and that we want to experience fellowship uh, with God's people. And I believe those have a biblical basis as well. If you look at Acts 2.42, it's talking about the early church. And this is a passage that people use often to describe like what the church should be like. All the time you hear churches are like, we want to be a New Testament church. This is what they mean. This is, this is the verse that they're going to point you to when, when you say, what do you mean by New Testament church? Yeah. Uh, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So those are our, th- our three big things. The apostles' teaching, that is now the Bible for us. The fellowship to the breaking of bread, we're kind of, kind of seeing those together. And then prayer. And so yeah, it's not that we've made up three categories, but rather we feel like that there's a biblical basis for these three big buckets. That, and as we talk about each in their own episode, I think you'll see how those work themselves out in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I, this is this is kind of making me think about the way that this past year has been for me and, and how these three areas uh, have changed the way that my life is kind of laid out. Mm-hmm. So we when we moved from Phoenix, we struggled for a while to get connected and landed at a church. And so during that time, there was a lot of... It, it was a season where there wasn't a lot of reading, and there definitely wasn't a lot of fellowship. I felt pretty confident with prayer life, um, but those other two were lacking a lot. Yeah, And so as we've grown connected, more connected to the church that we're at now, we are, we are in the word more regularly. Mm-hmm. We are praying together as a family more regularly, and we are in community with others discussing the word and praying together. Yeah. And man, there is, there is a difference in the way that life is going. <laughs> yeah. It feels, you can, you can feel it, uh, which not everything should be based on feeling. I know I'm going to go through seasons again where I am do- in these three areas consistently, but they're not making me feel the way that I, I'm hoping. But yeah, there is a difference in it. Yeah, I was talking with a friend of ours uh, who's a pastor, uh, and he was kind of describing his church, and uh, they're they're pretty sub- suburban, and they have a lot of people who are kind of like us, our age, young kids, He's like, man, my, most of my people are just in a season of life where they're they're just trying to get in like the verse of the day on you version and take their kids to yeah. soccer practice. And he wasn't saying that like derogatory as a way to put them down. He was just saying that's just reality for them. Um, and I think <laughs> knowing myself and probably usually having the tendency to kind of scoff at that of like, oh, you can do better because that's the, how I talk to myself, which is also not helpful. <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, I, I was finally like, yes, and amen. Like, I'm the fact that they are prioritizing the word, even if sometimes it just looks like a verse a day, even if sometimes it just looks like, well, I'm going to at least get what you version puts on the front page for me. And then, you know, of course, being good parents and taking their kids to soccer practice, being present with their family, like, sometimes that's what it looks like. And yeah. uh, uh, this. Maybe we've kind of let this go without saying, but obviously us talking about the spiritual disciplines, we don't want to position ourselves as experts. <laughs> like we're, oh, yeah, we're actually no. talking about it because we stink at it. Uh, and we are both find ourselves in that same season where we have little kids. Like I tend to have this really idealistic view of like, oh, I need to get up and have an hour in my Bible and and prayer before I see anybody. And that just isn't possible right now. My kids get up at five and I, I, I would die if I tried to get up at four uh, to, to do all that stuff before they, they woke up. And so 
it's going to look different right now, but these things are still worth pursuing however they may need to look to to adapt to um, the reality that we currently live in. And so that's a big reason why we wanted to talk about these as big principles as opposed to, well, here's your checklist of things that you have to do. And it's because that provides freedom in application. It can it can look way different depending on your context or what season of life you're in, and that's okay. All of that being said, we do want to, I, I, for me at least, like I desire to have more time with God. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there may be times, yes, where I'm getting a verse of the day in, and you know what? That is awesome. Like, I didn't get to spend 30 minutes in the Word, but I, I, I at least was in the Word today. Yeah. But there, that's not for us to say, like, you shouldn't you shouldn't want to have more than that. I sure. think as we get in those rhythms of like, okay, you know what? I'm reading my my Bible daily. It, it may only be a verse a day, but man, as I consistently do that, God is stirring up uh, these things in my heart and and making me want this desire to to read more, to pray more, to yeah. be in fellowship more. So we're not. I guess I just don't want it to come across as an excuse. Like, yes. Don't just aim for yep. a verse a day. If that's what, where you're at, yep. great. But but there is more. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you're exactly right. I, I think have a robust plan and then feel, a, but, but be okay on the days that not everything goes according to that yeah. plan. I think that's what I'm, what I'm getting at. And I maybe want to overemphasize the feel okay part because it's so often what we're bad at is we feel like yeah. if it didn't go exactly how we were expecting, then it's a failure. Uh, no, that's not the case. If, if you get the hour, that's take the hour. Like right, try, right. try to plan and set up places where you can really be intentional and, and spend time in the word and in prayer and in fellowship with others. But if it, if everything falls apart, it's okay to scale that down to a more manageable thing for that day. And, you know, try again tomorrow. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. So y- you've clearly <laughs> laid out that God gives grace uh, and he gives it freely. There are channels for us to go to get this grace, but I, I, there still is this tension almost yeah. Yeah. between receiving grace and then this this idea of effort, uh, especially yeah. from where we're just coming from. Like we we do want to put in that work to to read our our Bibles daily. So what does that balance look like? I, what are we actually saying with this? Yeah. Uh, it, you're right. It is grace and it is effort. Like we're, t- we're talking yeah. about both. We want to make sure that while we're p- talking th- about those things side by side, that we don't get them twisted or flipped or put in the wrong position. Um, but you, you see this in the Bible. So uh, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7, train yourself for godliness. So he that's a clear command from Paul to his kind of protege to train, to put in some effort for mm. godliness. Uh, and then also, I think Philippians explains this really well in, in 2, verse 12 and 13. Uh, Paul says that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, which sounds like a lot of effort, but it's for it is God who works in you. So we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because God, it's God who's working in us. I'm circling words with my hand as, <laughs> as I'm talking. That's why, why I'm doing that. But uh, and, and that's both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So he's, he's also laid out the desire to want to do these things, and he's laid out these works for us to step into also. So even that is grace. Even our effort, well, Mathis put it this way, which I thought was helpful. I'm going to lean on him again here. And he says, the way to receive the gift of God's empowering our actions is to do the actions. If he gives the gift of effort, we receive that gift by expending the effort. So that's a mm. little bit of like a like word ninja there. But I, <laughs> he he gifts the effort, and the way we get to to take part in that gift is by doing it. Yeah, so these two really go hand in hand is what we're saying is yeah. grace and effort are a combined thing. 
uh, and that when you are given that grace, you are given that ability to have to put effort in. Yeah, uh, is the way that I'm I'm explaining it. Yeah, in my head. <laughs> I think I th- in some ways I no metaphor is perfect, but I think about like letting my kids help me do stuff. Like it's not really helping me. <laughs> it would get done sure. without them. Uh, it's not really helping me, but they have to put out some effort. Uh, but it's kind of effort that I'm gifting them, right? Like I am letting them put out the effort to take part in the thing that we're now doing together. So maybe that's a weird explanation, but it helps kind of put the categories in my head of they are now getting the joy of doing this thing with their dad that they wouldn't if I didn't give them the gift of letting them put in that effort. And I I think you you explained this idea to me earlier, and I I tried to put in another thought alongside it, but for me, that is also a good example of like God is giving us that ability to put in that effort. Uh, and he doesn't, he can do it on his own, right? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't need, he doesn't need us, yeah. but uh, he's giving us that allowance to be able to do it. And I think for our kids in that same realm, like when they are given the ability to put effort in, they are, they're learning alongside us Mm -hmm. they're learning from us they are they are finally starting to see us as an example Mm -hmm. uh, and they're building up their own kind of strength in doing this their own uh muscle memory if you will so that they can go out and do it on their own later and i think it's the same with us and god when we are putting in those efforts that routine is building us up and and creating a character in us that is exemplifying Jesus. We're, we're doing what Jesus uh, called us to do. Yeah, I think that's super helpful. So we're a little ways into the episode, but let's take a quick break um, before we come back and kind of start to wrap up with a, a couple of asides that I think are pretty important. A couple of things that I want to make sure that we know before we go into talking in future episodes about each of these means of grace. Uh, And then we're going to talk about what the ends of the means is. What is this all for? We'll be right back. I don't know if you've noticed, but the whole time we've been doing this podcast, we've been in a coffee shop. It's crazy the amount of editing that we can do to drown out all of these crazy noises that you hear and just hear our voices. But yeah, Tanner is right. We are in a coffee shop and man, does it smell good in here. Yeah, we're just taking a quick break as this nice lady pours us some more coffee. I mean, you can hear them grinding some new beans in the back. It's it's a good place to do it. It's great. And as you've probably noticed, Tanner and I have lowered ourselves to the point where we need to ask for money, <laughs> both in a coffee shop and virtually to uh, support this podcast. Hey, busking is a perfectly fine thing to do. But for people like you who aren't here in the moment, we have to give you another option, which is a virtual tip jar. So if you want to support us, you want us to be able to keep making episodes like this one, then you can check out the link in the description and drop us a few bucks, just like the people here. I mean, the study group over there was nice enough to contribute even the guy playing guitar busking himself over <laughs> in the corner super super cool dude we ha- we must be the most annoying people in here this guy's trying to play guitar and we're doing a podcast over him but you know we fit in wherever we go and who knows where you'll see us next week All right, let's jump back into this. We've taken a lot of time to talk about grace and effort and how God gives all of that willingly to us, yeah. uh, which I think is is so counterintuitive to what we naturally would feel. Regardless, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk a little bit more about um, kind of the fruit behind of all, all of this. Yeah, so there were a couple things that as I was working through this, it's like, man, I I don't know how... Where the best place to put these in the outline, but I want to make sure they get said. And so the first one is often when we're talking about growing in holiness, you know, something you were kind of wrapping up right before we we went to break, 
something that comes up often is this very like preachery saying that that I I get it and it, I understand it and it in some ways is true, but also I think in a lot of ways it's not helpful. And that saying is uh, God desire. He's more interested in your holiness than he is your happiness. Right. Mm. So like, yeah, some things are hard, but listen, <laughs> to me, it sounds very like disciplinary and dead. Like, listen here, son, God's more worried about you being holy than he is about you being happy. And like, I, yeah, I guess. Uh, but I don't, I don't feel the need to pit those against one another. Uh, I saw, I saw one person, I thought this was a great quote where he said, it's good preaching and bad theology. <laughs> uh, because, Holiness is meant for our happiness. Again, the way we, we've talked about the Ten Commandments in, in that series and just earlier in this episode, God is putting those out there as something that is good for us. They feel like, oh, he's withholding this or withholding that, but he's really saying, this is, this is how to make things go better for you. This is how yeah. to be happier. This is how to be more fulfilled is by following these rules. And so... Holiness is a way towards happiness. So spiritual disciplines aren't always fun, like actually working them out, getting up that maybe hour early to read your Bible or whatever isn't always like, this is amazing. But but if you do them, you're going to, I think, lead yourself into a happier, better life. And I maybe you can correct me if I'm, wrong here or overstepping oh, but I, I will <laughs> i almost feel like joy is a better word yeah. in this scenario and i immediately think to paul who practiced these disciplines very well and then passed on these ideas to you know his followers and us and i think he is a great example to show that like man no matter what was happening in his life he was giving glory to God and had joy because of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, guy was in prison and like faced all of these crazy uh, scenarios, but all for the glory of God and constantly is showing us this, this reminder of joy in all of it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that through holiness, through working out these ideas of these spiritual disciplines, we grow into a place where we can find joy in anything because we know that that God is in control and that we're doing it for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think joy is a good word. I think in, in, in principle, you're probably right. I, I do like leaning into the straw man of people trying to put happiness and holiness against each other as if the only way we can be happy is by doing things God doesn't want us to do. I just think that's mm. a preposterous like uh, thesis. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, we actually are more happy when we're living more in the grace of God, more in the glory of God. Uh, like that's the end goal of following yeah. God is to be eternally happy forever in Him. Yes, and so uh, it's just crazy to me that we would ever. I just think it's getting things upside down to say it's either one or the other. You can be happy in the world, which obviously you don't. That's not what we're trying to do. Um, or you can be holy in God. And I would say, well, being holy in, in Christ should make us happy. That's kind yeah. of the... It's, I think my my only defense yeah. on it is I think I get very concerned or worried for non-believers uh-huh. that they get this idea that when you become a Christian, everything is great. Yeah. Like happiness in that, that concept. I get worried because, man, you are going to hit struggles. And, yeah. you know, it, it is going to be hard. Yeah. So, I, yeah, that's the only reason I bring that balance yeah, up. Yeah, you're right. You're and, absolutely and, right. And Paul does say, you know, consider it joys when you face trials. So he's like right. making it pretty clear, <laughs> like some things are going to happen that you're probably not going to like. But I also think he's serious when he says, consider it joy. Um, yeah. I, I think, now listen, we're fallen humans. So we're no, there's no way we're going to live up to this perfectly. But I think there is a way in which we can enjoy. This isn't in my notes, but I saw this clip of Crawford Loritz. I think I'm saying his name right. And he was kind of saying like one of these things that really breaks his heart is the 
what the rest of the world sees of Christians often right now. And, but this one line in there that he said is we're, we're mad at a blind man for stepping on our feet. Hmm. Uh, and I just thought, golly, that's good. Um, but what I, what I loved about that is you can even with that mentality, you can even consider it joy of like that person hurt me but that person's blind. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I am still here. I am still joyfully pursuing them, joyfully trying to, to speak Christ into their lives. Uh, you can still do that with joy, even though you're, you're exactly right. It's not always happy per se. It's not always fun and games. Uh, but, right. but it is joyful and pursuing those hard things, disciplined things. I mean, we're talking about spiritual disciplines, uh, do, I think, lead to ultimate joy and ultimate happiness. So now, in that same vein, <laughs> I, I think that you're right. The, the pursuing on, of... Say we'll say that again. Okay. You're, no, no, oh, no. Yeah, you suck. <laughs> uh, in, in pursuing holiness, there is happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. But I think currently, people don't, always see it that way uh yeah almost tying back into what we were we were talking about with new year's resolutions yeah like we have these things these lofty goals that we set and everything and then when we don't achieve them the way we want to yep there's this like sense of guilt yes and that was that's the other key thing that i'm like we've got to say this before we start talking about how we practically work out these means of grace in our life and that is guilt is not the goal. It is so yeah. easy, so easy for us to look at this list or look at the ideals of how we want to do all these things and then walk away feeling guilty and shameful and broken because we didn't quite get it done the way we had hoped. And I, I think that that guilt that that shame that we put on ourselves or that we let satan whisper into our ear that we're not good enough or that god doesn't really love us that causes us to run away from christ instead of to him um there's another thing i quoted gentle and lowly earlier that's because with a group of guys in my church we're reading through it and we've been talking about it and we just met a couple of nights ago and that was one of the things that i found really helpful in that conversation was us discussing the idea that uh, God is not like us. When people hurt us, then we want to we want to get away from them, or we want to you know take vengeance on them, or all that. God's not like that. He He wants to draw near to us, and that that's exactly what we should do. Even though it feels so counterintuitive when we feel like we failed Him or that we haven't lived up to what we should. We want to hide, and we want to we want to kind of wallow um, in that that depression. But we need to press into Jesus. That's exactly the point in time when we need Him the most. Yeah, um, that's exactly when, like I think, to the the prodigal son. That's exactly when the dad just like opens his arms and hugs you. Like um, anyway, <clears throat> I'm not crying. You're crying. You got <laughs> <choked> up, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because it's something I think if, if any of us think about it deeply, uh, or long enough that it's going to lead to that, that reaction of like, Oh, he, he wants to love us and he does love us. Um, despite whether or not we live up to what we think, where we think we should be. Yeah, no, that, that is so good. Let's kind of move into this last section that you were talking about this idea of the end, the end of the means. Like what? What is the ends to the means? Yeah. Uh, specifically, the means of grace. I like the the play on words there. That's that's good. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I I think you're exactly right. If we're gonna do these, we need to know why we're doing them. But we have to start there. Uh, yeah. And, and the whole point. So we've actually worked this out in our mission statement. I think we read it in the episode we did a few weeks ago. And that is we want to help people grow closer to Jesus. So that's the end of the goal is grow closer to Jesus through spiritual disciplines. Uh, but that's that's the point of this whole thing. The point of 
getting into the word, the point of prayer, the point of fellowship with, with God's people is to know and enjoy Christ more deeply. That's what we're aiming yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that brings it all around, <laughs> right? Yeah. We're, we can't earn our grace. It's not possible, mm-hmm. right? We can't earn our salvation. It's not possible. Jesus makes a way for that. And through that grace, we are able to to have this effort to move forward, to lean into God more, uh, and and allow. He opens up these these areas for us to be able to to put in effort to know Him better, and that's through reading our Bibles, through prayer, and through devotion. Uh, but Jesus is the reason for it all. We want to be more like Him and continue to grow like Him uh, as we push towards eternity. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think something you touched on there is is really important. And it's that Jesus is the reward. Like yeah, he's the one that helps us or not just helps us. He's the one that gets us there. He yeah. is our means of salvation and all these things. But he's also the reward. He's not saving us to something else. He's saving us to himself. Um yeah. Lamentations 3 uh I'm looking at it. I had to look it up. Like, I'm not some Bible expert. It's this, I'm looking at this uh, picture that I saved on my phone. It's, it says 3, 24 through 26, but it clearly doesn't have all of that in the picture. So I don't know which verse it is. But it says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So he is my portion. It, and I don't know. For me, that was kind of a big game changer is he's actually what I'm striving for. And he's the one that that makes that even Provides possible. Provides the way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, I don't know. Sometimes I can get caught up in trying for a million other things, and I have to slow down and be like, "No, Jesus is the reward. It's not. Yeah. It's not uh, looking better to other people or influence or money or oh, man. anything. It's it's him. It's it's knowing and loving him. I think being on staff at a church is the perfect example for me of that. Yeah. It's like Golly. I strove more to please the church mm-hmm. than I did Jesus. Yeah. And I just, I got into that habit and it was, it was bad. Yeah. And it took me a while to, to recognize it and then change it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are so many, so many different things that we, we put all of our, our hope into outside of Jesus when in reality it's Jesus who provides it and and should be the end goal for us. Yeah, um, I I've had the same struggle. I will say just to be clear that that's not the church's fault. Like that's our fault. Oh, that's no, our no, own yeah. brokenness of trying to to yeah. Anyway, um, but a couple things here. Paul refers to this in Philippians three eight as the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. I just I love that he, they, when he's talking about counting all things as rubbish. He, that's what he refers to. It's all rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Um, and then there's also one last quote here from Mathis that I wanted to to kind of end on. And he says, "The means of grace and their many good expressions will serve to make us more like Him, but." only as our focus returns continually to Christ himself, not our own Christ-likeness. Hmm. So, and he quotes 2 Corinthians 3.18 here. He says, because, this is because it's in, quote, beholding the glory of the Lord that we are, quote, being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So it's, it's by looking to Christ that we become more Christ-like. Yeah. It's not that we're even aiming to be better Christians. It's not that we're even aiming to be godlier. I mean, it, kind of, we want those as byproducts, but we get there by looking to Christ and loving him more, and therefore our desires start to line up with what his desires are. Man, I like that a lot. That is, uh, that's all just kind of hitting me right now, because <laughs> I, I think I fall into that trap where it's like, my goal is I want to be more like Jesus, more in his likeness yeah. versus he He is. Yeah. <laughs> he is what I should be longing it's, for. It's a fine line 
it, it, that's such a fine line that I ride all the time of trying to become Jesus, trying to become Jesus myself, trying to become my own savior, trying to be self-sufficient mm. and wrapping it all up in Jesus-y language versus yeah. actually wanting the person that is yeah. Jesus. Uh, yeah, that's that's big. That's, that's something worth getting off here and us to go think about for a few more hours. <laughs> um, but as we wrap up here, the last thing I want to say is if there's anything that jumps out in your mind when we say like word, prayer, and fellowship, that you're like, but but what about this or but what about that? And I, I want to say that these means of grace, there's a million side effects to these means of grace. When we grow in our relationship with Christ and therefore in Christ likeness, uh, we then are more fueled uh, to love others better. We're more fueled to be joyful in times of yeah. sorrow or trial. We're more uh, fueled to pursue the glory of God in everything we do. So hopefully that covers any of the, well, well what about evangelism? We didn't talk about evangelism. I, I think any of these practices should make you want to evangelize more. And we'll get into, again, I, I think evangelism is one of the many ways that these things work themselves out in our in our life practically. Um, but yeah, I, we'll, we'll cover those as we go on in the series, but I wanted to make that clear. It's not yeah. that we're trying to leave any of those things out. We think, if anything, developing strong spiritual disciplines should leave, should lead to those all the more. Great. Well, we are really looking forward to continuing this series next week. We're going to be diving into the word itself as a spiritual discipline. Um, there is a lot that is packed into that, uh, but we are excited to get going on this. And we hope that this series really shapes the rest of the year uh, for you guys, for us, um, for Bible and stuff as a whole. Uh, we're excited about it and we're excited that you are on the journey with us as always guys you can find us on social media that's facebook instagram and twitter connect with us there also if you would take the time wherever you're listening to leave us a rating and review that really helps us get the show out and uh tell more people (laughs) about the the spiritual disciplines and how they ultimately lead us into deeper relationship with jesus until next time peace Bible and Stuff podcast is a production of Bible and Stuff. We do more than just podcasts, so if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show, just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com. Our show is hosted by Tanner Britt and Glenn Brand, and our theme music is by The Sing Team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.